Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Megla Bhardwaj, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about mindset, the mental frameworks that you as e-commerce sellers, as entrepreneurs need to persevere, to win, and to be successful in your business. And to talk about this, I've got my guest over here, Stephen Summers. Hi, Stephen. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. And like uh, you know, I get to test my new little camera today, so it's an exciting day for me, and I can't wait to dive into this topic. I love talking to this kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah, I was really excited to uh, you know hear about this topic when you when it was mentioned by your team because this is something that entrepreneurs struggle with a lot, but there's not a lot of support and not a lot of information available about this. And I'm a new entrepreneur myself, and I have faced some of these issues too. So I'm super excited about our discussion. So before we go into all of that, Stephen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how did you end up in e-commerce, and how do you actually help Amazon and e-commerce sellers? I'd love to. Yes, thank you very much. So yeah, as you mentioned, my name is Stephen Summers. I'm the CEO of Marketplace Superheroes. Uh, we're Marketplace Superheroes is a company that's known for teaching people how to build a global business selling their own products uh, on Amazon, private label products. A lot of people watching, you you know the lingo, so I don't need to say, yes, I don't need yes. to simplify it too much, which is good. Um, so that's the main thing we do now. Obviously, we have a number of other companies that we run uh, connected to that. So we run Superhero Freight. It's actually what I'm wearing today. Uh, Superhero Freight is our, our company whereby we help people reduce their shipping costs from the likes of China. Uh, we put on our own containers. We've got our own warehousing in a number of countries now. And so that's another venture that we have a lot of people in. And how did I get into all this e-commerce world? Well, basically, like a lot of people watching now, maybe you've got a similar story to me. I was in my early 20s. I'm now 32. And, you know, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. I had no idea. I was in, I studied college in college for three years. Uh, in business and marketing, didn't want to finish, just felt like I'm not learning how to become an entrepreneur here. I'm just learning how to get a job. And so for me, it was important to try and find a way or somebody who could teach me how business worked. Uh, so I was searching for a number of years, probably from the time I was, you know, in my late teens, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was searching around how to make money online and all that stuff, which a lot of people search. And unfortunately, you find a lot of kind of nonsense and a lot of like weird scammy things online, which I definitely, you know, bought into just to see what they're about. And so for me, I got to a point where, where I, thought, I said to myself, like, I need to get into a business that I can feel good about. I can sell quality items to people and I, and I, won't, I wouldn't feel weird selling them. So e-commerce just felt like a natural, you know, thing for me to do. But again, I, I'd never run an e-commerce business. So I had no idea what to what to do or where to go. Looked into drop shipping and all of that. Just didn't seem like the right path for me at that point. So I got a bit of look. I started telling people I wanted to get into e-commerce, and I got introduced to this guy Robert Ricky, who is still my partner to this day, business partner to this day, and um, was my initial mentor. And Robert sold on eBay, Amazon, etc. In the UK at the time, this is uh, quite a while ago now. Uh, he he's in total up until today, he's been selling for over twenty years online. So he was a really experienced guy, uh, and he was selling his own private label items. He was also selling some wholesale items from. UK distributors. And so I basically went up to work with this, this guy, uh, you know, quit my job, worked at the warehouse for free, started learning how marketplaces specifically work like Amazon and eBay. And again, just to cut a long story short, we, he had, a, he had two warehouses, he had eight staff. 
So we decided to restart the company uh, and from scratch ourselves, find a new way to find different products that we could sell on marketplaces like Amazon, et cetera. And so really what we decided to do was just go all in on Amazon FBA, go all in selling our own private label items, go all in on finding different products and different categories that we could sell. And you know, we, we kind of restarted the business, rebuilt it back up again, where we didn't have all that team. We didn't have all those warehouses at the time. And we created a very successful company doing that. And then again, just cutting the story short, we did that for a number of years, about three, four years. And then a lot of people teaching Amazon FBA, we felt like we had a sort of a unique approach that you know Robert would have initially uh, come up with. And then I came along and we, we sort of like, you know, melded our minds and, and altered the process a little bit. And so, yeah, about uh, 2014, 15, we started Marketplace Superheroes, completely unknown, just started teaching our process. And now we have you know, over 6,000 students. We run Superhero Freight, so we get to partner with our clients long-term. Uh, if they're not successful long-term, we're not successful. We can like that because we're in the, in the trenches with them. And here we are. Awesome. That's great. Okay, so let's talk about mental framework. So tell me, you know, you worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and you're an entrepreneur yourself. So what are some of the challenges that you yourself yeah. faced when you were starting your, your business, your entrepreneurial journey? And what are some of the yeah. challenges you've seen other entrepreneurs facing? Yeah, I mean, there's so many. Uh, and again, like for anybody listening or watching and they think, you know, oh, I'm going to just go and find the next Amazon hack or whatever. Look, this stuff here is really vital because if you don't have this stuff in place, you're never going to even get to selling on Amazon because something's going to hold you back along the way. And I know this better than most because, yeah, like I struggled with a lot of this, this kind of stuff. The first thing that I really found difficult was I just had a really scarce mindset. I believed like there was a lack of money. I believed if I put money into products that essentially I was going to lose that money because up, up until, you know, I started working with Robert you know, over 10 years ago now, I had the belief of, well, if I, if I spend money on clothes, fuel, food, like the money's gone, right? And that was what I had seen my entire life. So Whenever like Robert comes along and I'm learning this stuff and then it's like, we have to now put money down to bring in a container of stock. That was terrifying because I just said, well, I'm going to lose that money because that was my belief system. I didn't understand like, well, when you invest in products and you do your research, you do your homework, like you're investing in something that you expect to multiply in, in your, your capital that you put in. So it was that kind of risk reward thing I had no idea about. And I had to really unlearn a lot of rules about money. So the first big rule there was that when you invest in something that you've done your homework on, you expect a multiplied result. So when, so that was a, f a huge thing. Another big thing for me, and I think it's very true for a lot of our students, certainly is that, you know, people don't tend to take full responsibility for everything and almost like uh, act as if they're in control of everything. I know that might seem like a kind of a scary concept because, you know, up until now, really owning the fact that you are where you are in your life because of everything that you have done, all the actions that you take and all the actions that you haven't taken. That's a really scary concept because you might have to actually think maybe I haven't taken full responsibility and I'm not where I want to be because I've held myself back. And that, that was certainly true for me. You know, I just thought, Oh, I have to get a job or I have to do all these things. I have to do certain things. And I was just learning that. Well, when I take full responsibility for learning how things work, for putting money down into products, for taking, for, for then taking an action and then getting a response. In other words, I, I, I took an action and get a response in the marketplace. So in Amazon terms, 
uh, I'm not getting sessions to my listing. Well, why is that? Is it because my keywords are poor? Is it because uh, I'm not running some PPC to my listing, et cetera? Like there's all these things, all these responses we have the opportunity to take that, you know, people aren't even aware of. So taking responsibility was the second big key. And then on from there, it really came down to, you know, uh, having a long-term view of things. So online right now, as I'm sure you know, <laughs> everybody knows that like, there's all these different people out there standing in front of the Lamborghinis and all that, yeah. right? And they're telling us like, you know, uh, you're going to make a hundred grand the next 30 days or whatever. And the, the reality is that this is something I learned from the book called the millionaire fast lane is that people chase events of wealth. So that hundred grand in 30 days or, you know, the lottery, right? That's why everyone buy, or the, the Powerball in the U S and all that. Right. So the truth is, and the reality is that before you get to any significant event, like selling your Amazon business, there's a whole process that had to come in before that. But the people don't like to, kind of accept that fact that I have to go through this process. I then have to build upon what I've done before and, and have a long-term outlook. And so when you invest in an Amazon product or multiple products, it doesn't always take off straight away, right? We, we know that. Yeah. It can take time to bed into the Amazon system to start making some of your initial sales. So you start to actually rank within the system and start having the algorithm work for you. And the same is true for any algorithm, like YouTube algorithm, Google, every, every big you know, marketplace, search engine, they all have their own algorithms and they take time for your you know, specific item or items to kick in, right? So you have to have that long-term outlook. It's not, not gonna happen overnight. It's gonna take a little bit of time. I'm gonna optimize everything. I'm gonna look at my, my responses to what I've done and take different actions along the way. So those were just some, you know, I mean, I have so many more, right? But those are some of the, the key pieces. Uh, you know, Because if you think short-term all the time, You'll be like, oh, I'm in stock two days. I haven't made a sale. Panic. It's like, no, no, no. You, you can't panic over that. You have to give something time to bed in and then start looking at the trends. That's the big thing Robert taught me, you know. Every product, everything, it has a trend, but you can't see a trend in a short period of time. It has to be over at least two weeks to a month like to see any kind of a trend. And when you've just launched an item, it just takes time. So these are just some of the things that really did change uh, my mentality and therefore my results, you know? Yeah, I think that totally made sense. Um, and one of the things you mentioned was, you know, all of these gurus out there, you know, standing in front of Lamborghinis and selling the dream to people and, you know, saying yeah. that Amazon and e-commerce is almost like a get rich quick scheme. So yeah. that's something that really bothers me. And, and that's something that, um, you know, people need to be aware of. And of course, everyone has a different appetite for risk. You know, some people are starting really small. They're maybe yeah. they have a full-time job and they're, you know, in their twenties, they don't have much to invest. And so they probably yeah. need to go slower than somebody who's maybe in their, you know, thirties and forties and, and they have some money in the bank and they want to, they, they are able to maybe uh, stay long enough in the game to see some results. So, yeah, I mean, those yeah. are the things that people, but I think what people need to realize is that this is a business. It's not something that um, you can get rich overnight with. But here's the thing, though. It actually does uh, really connect because yeah. there's a few things on that. I think as well, like, you know, from a mentality point of view, you like when you look at other people's results, like, you know, some people flashing huge sales figures in front of you. That's a definitely a surefire way to feel demotivated. And for us, like we've got students like 
you know, we've got one guy, uh, he has a heated thing where he did like $28,000 in one day in sales, not profit in sales on, you know, Cyber Monday. And like, that's a really amazing result and all, but that's not a typical result. And also it's demotivating if you're just starting, like, how am I going to get there? It's going to take me so much time and all of that. So the, in our community, we find uh, where people get actually the most motivated is when they hear from somebody who's launched their first product and they've made you know, the first $500 in sales in their first two weeks or whatever, right? Like that's more motivating because it's more attainable. And I think right. the point then where you're saying about investment when you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s, like there's no doubt, but like the other side of that too is that if you're in your 20s, like, and you don't have a lot of capital, the re you have to actually deal with the, and I had to do this too, like what is the real reason you don't have capital? And, and for most people, it's because they don't possess a set of skills that are particularly valuable that they can utilize in the marketplace to, to raise some more capital. Then they have more money to, to relaunch their business, you know, or to, to help grow their business to such a point that when you get enough sales, sales volume that you can then go and get somebody else to help invest in those products that are working for you. So for me, like, I mean, the advice I, I would love to give myself when I was in my earlier 20s was you know, you don't have valuable enough skills, go get them. And then it's going to make everything else a lot easier. Uh, and, and that goes for any age. We, we even, at Marketplace Superheroes, like we have a thing, a small little brand, Side Hustle Heroes. We teach some side hustles that I've done or other people have done that are really effective and do help actually make some additional money. And typically there's their services, you know? And so that's another thing as well. Like if you're starting with no capital, but no money, I would deal with the root cause of that before I jump into a capital intensive business, like an e-commerce business, you know? Right. Right. That totally makes sense. So I think one of the things that entrepreneurs and e-commerce sellers, they face is isolation because most of them, you know, work from home. And uh, yeah. I've experienced that as well. Like I was in a corporate job for 20 years and, you know, I'm working from home now, which I'm kind of enjoying. I get to spend more time with my son. I drop him to school, pick him up and, you know, I'm kind of relaxed. I'm in my pajamas. I don't have to dress up <laughs> in all for office, but sometimes it gets very lonely and, um, you know, you're, you feel kind of isolated and there's nobody to brainstorm ideas with or, or talk to. So what are some of the things that you recommend entrepreneurs to do you know to overcome this isolation yeah. it's huge you know and i can tell you now even in our company you know we've, we've quite a big team now with all the different businesses that we operate you know we've like about 30 to 40 people within the kind of group now you know in different companies and even those people would say they suffer from isolation at times like i'm very fortunate now because you know everything our business has evolved over the last number of years and people know that like we obviously grow marketplace superheroes and things like that so you know we've kind of upped the game over the last few years we don't just sell on amazon for example uh, so people know that like we have a team now and again i like i have an office i have a studio here where i make videos so i get the i do get the personal interaction now which is great for me however when I first was working with Robert and we were really launching the business, I, I actually moved away from where Robert was living fairly early on in the game because my wife uh, wanted to uh, move in. We're, we weren't married at the time, but uh, we are now. And so I had to kind of move far away. And that was a really challenging thing for me because all of a sudden, like you, I was in the situation where I didn't have that interaction anymore. I was on my own. And so for me, what what I wish I had done that I didn't do was go to like, you know, a co-working space or something like that. It doesn't matter to the people aren't in the same business as you. You're just getting around people who are in business. I think as well something that I could have done and I did not do 
Um, I could have like set up a little meetup group, you know, for people who are freelancers, consultants, entrepreneurs, etc. like people in the locality. Cause there's so many more people now that are working from home. So I think like you could literally get a little meetup group going uh, locally, tell people about it, you know, go old school, put up posters in your, in the local stores and cafes and start getting something going there. I wish I had done that kind of thing. I actually remember getting to the point happy to I'm unhappy to say but happy to tell you that you know, I literally was lying on the floor looking at the ceiling a couple of days a week been like what am I doing like what I'm here on my own uh, and so um, for me then I just started reaching out to people and I started meeting up with people going for a coffee just literally working together it was also a really good Facebook group that I was involved in called coffee with Dan that mm-hmm. called Dan Meredith runs it uh, he's he's a crazy British guy, a very interesting fellow. Uh, he used to do, he started that group because he found that he was isolated. So he set up a Facebook group and the premise of the group was, and it's kind of changed now, but the initial premise was, you know, we're going to, we're going to come on every day. We're going to uh, work in blocks of two hours, I think uh, two or three times a day. So four to six hours in a day. And we're going to post in what we're going to get done that day. So like, even though it was an in-person interaction, it was like there was some interaction. So I think a lot of people watching, yourself included, you know, like Facebook groups are great. Local meetups are great. And, and I think you've got to be proactive, right? Because sometimes someone's already set something up. And for me, again, it's like that taking responsibility. Can I be the one to go set things up? Uh, we've even done it with Marketplace Superheroes. We've set up like this thing we had called Allies, which was an accountability program. And literally it was just like, we'll come on weekly. Well, you can put in the Facebook group what your goals are for that week, what you're going to get done. We did that for like 12 weeks and people had these huge results because while there wasn't in, in-person interaction, they just felt like I'm actually able to declare what I'm looking to get done to other people who are doing it at the same time. And it really helped them get so much more done because they felt that sense of accountability because it's easy, you know how it is, like if you're on your own working, it's easy to kind of get off track or feel like, you know, you kind of feel a bit lost, you know. And so I, I think some of those strategies are things people should do. And I, sh- I wish I had done them earlier, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. And I think one of the reasons I started this podcast, you know, was so that I could like talk to people yeah. and, and learn from people and, you know, reach out to people. And so yeah. another thing, I think uh, another challenge that uh, entrepreneurs face is a criticism. And also self-doubt. Yeah. I think that's another huge challenge that I myself face sometimes. You know, um, I'm not mm. sure if I'm on the right path and, you know, should I continue <laughs> this? And there's a discussion yeah. going on in my brain with myself, in my head with myself, right? And my, you know, pros yeah. and cons of everything. So what advice do you have for entrepreneurs to deal with, uh, you know, criticism from others and self-doubt? Yes. Well, you know, I always kind of look at the criticism uh, and I wonder, I wonder who the person is and where it's coming from, right? So if the person is very advanced in business, experienced, somebody who's doing what I'm doing or similar to what I'm doing, and they're criticizing me, I would look at that more as constructive feedback. And then I would, ta- I would take it on board because I respect that person's opinion. They're already they're, they're ahead of me in business. Therefore, they kind of have a very valid opinion. However, there are certain people who will criticize you a lot. And when you look at them, they've never had a business before. They don't have the results that you're looking to achieve. They are probably more confused about their life than you or I am. And we listen to those people because they, they try to bring us back to where they are, which is stasis. Because the human condition is like, it's, 
we want to be at stasis where nothing's changing because then there's no threat. Uh, it doesn't feel scary, but you don't grow in that zone. You know, it's like that picture, you know, the, the growth zone is over here and, uh, and people want to be over here. So I think as well, it's like, you've got to really look at who is criticizing and, and really ask yourself, you know, is this an opinion that I need to listen to? And if the answer is no, well, then I just let those people, you know, criticize away. But I actually understand underneath their criticism, typically, they'd love to be doing what you're doing or I'm doing, but they're too afraid. And when they see somebody go out there and do something that is they would love to be able to do, it actually attacks their personal, personal self because they're, they're starting to ask themselves some very difficult questions like, am I wasting my time right now? Could I be doing something more with my life that I'm refusing to do? And all of those questions then, you know, start to eat someone's, you know, brain away in a way, right? And so when we come along and we're doing our thing, it's easier to pull you down than to actually lift you up. So one of the things that I do to counteract that, I spend a lot of time trying to support other people. Um, and that's what I heard someone say once, and it's actually really good advice. Like if you feel lost and you feel like you don't have certainty, Try and give somebody else some certainty, give somebody else some clarity. And a lot of people might be thinking, what? That sounds weird. But it actually does help you a lot. It helps you uh, feel like you're contributing to somebody else. You're helping somebody else in their journey. And you start to see more things then. Uh, you start to feel more clear as you help other people get clear. There's also a little exercise you can do that I think is kind of interesting. That's a little bit woo-woo, but it's pretty good. And that is like, you can look at like, trying to figure out what you're doing with your life. It's like, what are two personal characteristics that you feel like you display all the time, right? So everyone watching, you can write these down if you want. And then it's like, what are two ways you enjoy actually putting those things out into the world? So for me, my characteristics, I feel are passion and drive. They're my strong ones. I love teaching, I love inspiring. So then it's like, okay. And then, well, if the world was perfect, what would that look like? If, you, if everyone was doing what you feel like they should be doing or could be doing. And so for me, it's like everyone would take responsibility for their life and their actions. And everyone would utilize their own personal talents, skills to make the world better. So then you can kind of create this like phrase for yourself. For me, it is, I use my passion and drive to teach and inspire others to use their skills and talents to make the world better. So all of a sudden now, I have real clarity on myself and what I'm trying to do in the world. And therefore, when someone criticizes me, I, I, I don't even listen anymore because I feel like I have a path. I, feel, I, I know what I'm, what I'm trying to do, I'm going to do. And therefore, that stuff just bounces off me. But then whenever somebody ahead of me, like I said, says things to me, I now can see that as like feedback because they're ahead of me. And I should listen to that. I should have the humility to listen. And I'm not saying just ignore everybody, but sometimes when you're in the early stages of entrepreneurship, especially kind of should ignore people whose opinion is not helpful, you know? Yeah, totally. And sometimes I feel it's, it's, you know, maybe family more than anyone else yeah, who tries to right, bring you down and they, they kind of say, Oh, are you sure you want to do this? Maybe you should just get a stable job. And you know, right. <laughs> that's the same thing to do. Yeah, but, that, but that's natural again, because they've yeah. never done it before. So yeah. they look, they love you or me and their fear is that we're going to go out there and get hurt or, disappointed because they don't believe they can do it and so it's a projection too like you know and you really have to be aware of that like people project all the time and the thing about entrepreneurship that's so interesting is like when I started well, my parents are lovely people they never had a business before I remember uh, and I can tell you this now that 
my father, when I said I wanted, to, I was trying to be in the music industry originally. Uh, when I said I wanted to do that, he like drove me to his friend's house, who was a school teacher, to kind of sell me on the idea of getting a degree, getting a job. Now that's not because my dad he did anything wrong. He was just terrified because he's never he's never done anything like that before. So he didn't want to see me go out there and fail or get hurt or anything like that. So nowadays, you know, my parents have seen all the businesses we've created and they kind of go now, oh, well, they, they know what they're doing now. And they don't ever say anything like that to me anymore. They actually ask me, how does that work? And that's the hard thing about entrepreneurship and life in general is like people will, will when they're fearing all of these things, they'll, they'll kind of say all this stuff to, to try and protect you, whereas really it can hurt you. But then when you go out there and you just do it, that, then people ask you, well, how does that work now? And that's always the way, it always will be the way, you know? Awesome. I think another thing that uh, entrepreneurs always face is, uh, you know, failures and successes. Like sometimes on yeah. a daily basis, you know, there are ups and downs and the highs and lows. And, you know, in the morning yeah. you can be like super excited. Oh my God, I made two sales. And, <laughs> you know, yes, life's looking yeah. good. And then, you know, you get a one-star review, <laughs> you know, at night. And then sure. you're like, oh my God, this, this is not working. And, and you're depressed. Yeah. So how do you, I mean, do you have any, any tips or advice for entrepreneurs and how to deal with failures and successes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I, it, number one, it's complex, right? Because I've gone through it myself. I've had the ups and downs in a number of businesses we've been in. I've had the nights where I'm like lying there terrified and all of that. And the first piece of advice I'll give everybody watching and listening is there's a great book. It's called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by Dale Carnegie. He's the guy who wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People. In that book, the first chapter changed my entire look on life. And what it was, it, it's, because, it's called How to Live in Day-Tight Quarters, right? And all that means in simple English is, like, we go out into the world and we start projecting all the time into the future. I do it, everyone else does it. But the problem with the future is we don't know what's going to happen. The only thing that actually influences the future is what we do right now. Because that's what's going to create the future that you're looking to create, number one. I'll come back to your thing about sales now. Don't worry. I will come back to that. The point actually is like living in a daytime quarter and not projecting out is important. So when you get two sales, what you immediately do is you start projecting it. Well, what if I had two sales every day? That would be, oh, 60 sales a month. Oh, cool. I'm making $5 profit. Oh, cool. Like I'm making $300 a month on that one product alone. That's good. Cool. That could grow. And then when you get a one-star review, you start projecting out, projecting out saying, oh my God, like this product's poor. My ODRs are going to go too high. I'm going to get my Amazon account suspended. That's, so that's the positive and the negative of projecting into the future. Whereas what I learned to do was just live in today as much as I can. Yes, you do have to plan for the future. Yes, I do plan for the future. But then when I have my plan in place, I know where I'm going. I really do try to focus on living in today. And that is something that really helped. Even the past, like the past is a good teacher. You can show you what, you know, the, I, I didn't do my product research on that item. So I know that's why it didn't work. I took full responsibility for that. Coming back to the, the earlier on theme, I took responsibility for that. I know why that didn't work. It's because I didn't do my research correctly. I know I skipped a couple of steps. I know that's why it didn't work. 
that and as simple as that. Then you say, well, what can I do today to make sure that that doesn't happen going forward? Well, I can do my research better today. I can really show up today and look through my numbers today and make certain that, you know, at this price point, uh, you know, this size product, weight product, et cetera, at this FOB price, it's going to work at this level, et cetera. So you really have to live in today. That, that's a really important point, I think. Also then, on, on from that, like, you know, removing emotion is hard to do because what people tend to do, again, I've done this before, so I know how it feels. You wrap up your self-worth in your sales. You wrap up your self-worth in your results out there in business. And you say, well, if I'm making a lot of sales, I'm like, good, that's good. Steven is great, you know, he's great because he's made all these sales. But the problem then is if you wrap up your self-worth too much in the performance of your business, well, as you just said perfectly, the ups and downs of business are inevitable. You have to expect them. So then whenever you're in a down period in your business, what's going to happen then is you're going to feel like crap. You're not going to be able to motivate yourself. You're not going to be able to take the actions that you need to move forward. And that's a really, really bad, bad cycle to get into. So a really cool thing a guy told me years ago, I was learning how to play the classical guitar. And he showed me something that was interesting. He said, you know, Japanese uh, philosophy is like, it's all in waves, right? Waves. So when you're at the lowest point of a wave, the lowest point, well, what's the wave naturally going to do? It's going to start to go back up again. And it's going to go to the top. You're going to be really, really high. It's going to start to go back down for a little bit. But no, back up again. And just knowing that, and I've, I've thought about that for years, just knowing that fact, and anybody watching, if you're in a downward season right now, you're at the bottom right now, well, it is going to go back up again. Because business is a cyclical game, cyclical nature of business. Everything happens in cycles. And so, you know, certain products are seasonal. Certain products in Q4 go crazy. Certain products are evergreen, but they do have their spikes. These are all things you learn through what? Through time and experience. And if you don't have the time or experience, that's going to really, you know, affect you because you don't know what to expect. So how do you overcome that? My best advice, how I did it, had someone who was more experienced than me. So I was able to almost buy that feeling of certainty through a mentor who's already seen it before, who could give me certainty, who could look at what I was doing actually. And sometimes even Robert in the early days, he'd say, uh, before I started like partnering with him, I bought a couple of the wrong products. And he'd say, that's the wrong product. Here's why it's the wrong product. And that really helped me. I, I bought a cream canvas wardrobe. I, I always talk about it. I broke even on it. But, you know, I just basically went to Terapeak. It was a tool for research on eBay. It's still going. Yeah. Uh, kind of like a Jungle Scout, better because it actually gives you real data from eBay. We don't use Jungle Scout, just so anyone knows. It's not in our process. But anyway, point is, like, I just picked a, a hot product. I sold a hot product. But everyone else was doing the same thing. So I couldn't expect great results. So, so having a mentor will help smooth out that ride a lot more because they'll tell you, put the hand on the shoulder. No, it's okay. This is expected. It's going to, it's going to go the other way soon, you know? Right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So do you, you know, what are the best ways of learning then? I mean, are specifically for e-commerce sellers, are they courses or self-learning yeah. or mentors or, you know, a combination yeah. of every, all, all of the above? Yeah. Well, uh, my opinion, and again, a lot of people will watch with me talking and they're going to say, well, of course you'd have that opinion, but I will back it up. And my personal opinion is, especially when you're starting out in a business, you should go and find a pre-proven process that's been tried, it's been tested, uh, people have gone through and got results, 
And you, you should just focus on utilizing that process first. Because this idea of having no experience whatsoever, trying to cobble together a process through no experience from a whole random assortment of videos on say YouTube or whatever, it's a very dangerous thing to do because it's like you're taking a little, it's like trying to make a, a lasagna with like different recipes from all these different people or even different ingredients from all these different people and all these different recipes. So all of a sudden you're trying to make a lasagna through five recipes and lots of different ingredients that, you know, may not work in one or the other. And I think that's the biggest problem for me. I was very fortunate. I found an in-person mentor. That is the best level. If you can get there, that is the best way to go. I, I would say, but second to that, well, you know, people, they package up their, their information, they package up their knowledge into courses. And what's happening now on the internet is there's this real like bashing of programs and online courses at times. And I just think it's really stupid because like people put together programs to, to teach what they're doing. And then a lot, some people would say, well, you're doing that just to make money. But making money is part of the process. For us, like we, we make no bones about it. Yes, we make money in our training, but actually our goal is to take that money and put it into different services like our, our freight service. That's something we can partner with our clients long-term and we both win long-term. But we, we create another business. They have a service where they save a lot of money on their shipping. There are gurus out there and fake gurus out there and all of that. They do exist. But for every fake guru out there, there's lots of real people teaching real stuff. And it comes down to the fact that they genuinely want to teach it. And yeah, they should charge for it because they package up years of mistakes and learning into something that someone can just take, apply and succeed with. So I think uh, self-learning, like there's no such thing because you're learning from something all the time. So the only way you can self-learn is if you literally went on the Amazon, started picking random products and start just trying to like, you know, oh, I, where do I go? Where do I go to get a supplier? Oh, Ali, you know, I search out for, oh, Alibaba, I found that. Or, you know, Indian port, I found that. And then like, I just randomly start. I, I just don't think it makes sense, you know? And that's just my personal opinion. But I don't know very many people out there who have taken something so complex as like global importing from India, from China, et cetera, and have been able to figure it all out on their own. I think that is... Uh, I think someone had to do it, but they're the pioneers. They're the people lying down in dirt with the arrows in the back. I don't want to be one of those people. Sometimes I have to be, but I, ideally, if I can purchase something and learn from somebody else, I will. So for me, in-person mentors, number one, uh, uh, online or, or in-person programs, number two, definitely. But what is the ultimate rule that underscores all of these things? It really comes down to, are you going to actually implement what you've learned now? And I'll tell you now, you know, uh, we've, we've thousands of students. I wish they all implemented the program, found lots of weird items, launched them on Amazon and sold them. But the reality is that not everybody does. People, they go through the program, limiting beliefs, hold them back. They don't complete the program. Uh, and and it's, just, it's just the way it is. It's human nature. But if you're one of the people that takes an in-person mentor, a program, you implement it to the letter, that's how you become successful because even if you choose your first product and it doesn't become a smashing success, you will learn so much from that. Like I learned from the cream canvas wardrobe, you learn more from that than you will just reading through courses or reading through books. And I think they're the people that have that are kind of like we would say aren't slagging off courses, people who just went in, bought it, and did nothing with it. You know, that's just my opinion, anyway. Right, right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. So I think one of the other things that entrepreneurs struggle with is uh, maintaining a work-life balance. 
And I face that sometimes myself because, um, you know, working on my own business doesn't feel like work. And so I end up working long hours and working until nine, 10 o'clock every night. And then, you know, suddenly my son comes up to me and says, mom, you got to stop working now. Okay. Why don't you just, you know, have dinner or whatever. So how do you, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur, what advice do you have um, for people who want to maintain this, you know, work-life balance? It's easier to do when you're in a corporate job, you know, from nine to five, you, you finish at five and then you're home and that's, you know, the e- evening time is home time. But when you're an entrepreneur, it's kind of difficult to do yes so work-life balance absolutely is something that you know even now i'm figuring out right and i know how it is we we can say all the time like you know don't check your sales all the time don't do this don't do that but it's just human nature to to look at things and in the evening time you want to check things and you check emails or you do this you do that so it's mostly checking is what keeps people going to late or researching until late for a lot of Amazon entrepreneurs when they're starting out. And it is tricky. There's no question. I feel like if you're a full-time entrepreneur, you have more options available to you if you're a part-time. And and many people have to start part-time. I mean, I'm fortunate that when I started a business, I didn't have a family. I didn't have to, you know, provide for for them. Uh, But if I did, you know, I would have had to have altered my strategy a little bit to what I actually did. I know that. So I think it comes down to there's nothing wrong with loving your business. I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, implementing in your business at a high level. Uh, But what works for me well as a full-time entrepreneur, and I think it will also work very well as part-time, is this idea of the entrepreneurial calendar, which is, uh, it came from Strategic Coach. Uh, they, They teach this. And basically what it is, is you've got your free days, focus days, and buffer days. So a free day is like, no business. And I struggle with that. I, I really don't think there's ever been a period of time where I've had 24 hours with no business. I, I, I don't think I've done it. I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, but I, it hasn't happened. But that's what you're supposed to do, right? Then you've got the, the, the focus days, which are the days entrepreneurs love, which are like getting stuff done, you know, going and doing uh, research, placing an order. Like these are really good activities where you're, you're moving forward. And then you've got buffer days, which are like, you know, a planning day or calling a team member or something like that. It's like not, it's not focus activity, but something needs to be done. Uh, you know, arranging your, your finance finances so that your, your CPA can do your books, etc. Uh, and I think if you just, you know, apply that um, and look and see, well, how many focus days do I have a week? Um, and was I really focused that day? Like I, I do four focus days a week, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, I take the weekends off. So in a way, people would be like, oh, you have a nine to five again? No, it's not really a nine to five. Uh, but just the weekends, they work for me. They're, I'm used to you know, not working on those. Uh, so I just do that. And then a Wednesday is my buffer day. So planning, talking to the team, things like that. And so I think if you put that in place and you really focus on your focus days, you will kind of you'll make so much progress. You'll also be so tired after a day of focus that you won't work into the evening because you will genuinely need the evening to recuperate. I think the problem for a lot of entrepreneurs is like they're doing a little bit of a lot all day long and they're not, and they don't therefore don't really feel like they've made progress in the day. So they feel like they have to check in Whereas they feel like if you really focus for a day, you really plan for a day, you really like take off a little bit of time. That's where I think you get a more healthy balance in your life. And also for your, your spouse, uh, kids, 
it makes it a little bit easier to plan then because you know your focus days, you know your free days, you know your buffer days. You can start to communicate that to your other half and, you know, it becomes a lot easier that way. And for me, it's important, you know, my, my own wife that we have that in place, you know, that she'll know, she knows what I'm doing, when I'm doing it. So there, there would be, and one final thing actually on that is on your focus days, uh, there's something that, that Jack Canfield talks about, which is like trying to do five things in a day to move you towards your main goal, your main objective. So like they can be small things, but five things. So spend 45 minutes researching something, send one email to a supplier, um, you know, check, check my product images, send my product to get my product images taken. Or it could even be uh, contact five suppliers today. Five things are done. There's always five things in your focus days to move you forward. And if you put all that together, I think, I think you'll get better on the balance front anyway. Okay, that's really good advice. And I'm going to implement some of that as well. I really like the concept of focus days and um, um, yeah, weekends. I mean, yeah, weekends, yeah. It's, been, it's been really tough for me. Like I continue working on weekends as well. So yeah, I think that's something that I have to um, work on a little bit more. So what are yeah. some of the habits that you think entrepreneurs should develop to be you know, more efficient and more effective? You did mention a few, um, you know, have yeah. like five things to do in your focus days, but are there any other habits that, you've, that you yourself have developed over the years or that you know yeah. are, you know, help entrepreneurs? Definitely, yeah. I, I, this actually comes from Dan Meredith, the guy I mentioned earlier on, Coffee with Dan Group. Uh, what I do, I learned from Dan, was on a Sunday evening, so that could be a free day, but just for a little bit of time on a Sunday evening, maybe 30 minutes, I brain dump all the things that I want to achieve in the next five, five days, four days of focus, one day of buffer. So that's what I do there. In a way, it's a buffer task, but I like to do it on a Sunday. It's good. So I list it all out. So maybe there's 15 or 20 different tasks that I want to get done. Well, what I do then is I put a three, two, or one beside each of the activities. Three means has to be done, vital, must be completed this week. Two is would be great if it got done, but not quite as important. And one is not that important, could move to next week if it has to. And sometimes the ones become threes as the longer they go on, right? So I do this and it's a great habit to get into because it reduces your stress. It reduces overthinking. And also it enables you to really get a handle on what are the most important tasks that I have the opportunity to do right now that will directly feed into what I'm trying to achieve at any one time. So for yourself, like, I mean, uh, growing the different businesses you're growing and, and what you're doing, you will, you will, you need to identify uh, what we call the one thing, another great book. So as you can see, I read a lot, right? And this is yeah. vital to my success. So the one thing is something you can use called the focusing question. And the focusing question says, what's the one thing I can do now that makes everything else easier or irrelevant? And that's your big domino task. So when you're in a, on a Sunday, you could almost look at what's the one thing that's going to move me forward and, and look at your, your list. And the one thing, the first of those, that's your number three. That if I did that, if I did that one thing, that would actually make other things easier or irrelevant. So for example, with myself, let's say my goal now is to get, is to help get more people uh, shipping with superhero freight, for example. And right now I want to focus on getting more people 
in as clients. So I want to grow the client base. So what's the one thing I can do now? So appearing on an Amazon seller podcast, that could be my one big domino because when I appear on there, I'm going to get to speak to a lot of people at one time. I'm going to get to explain how we can save them a lot of money on their shipping. And as a result of that, they're going to go back to Superhero Freight, check it out, and potentially join that, that service. So that's just an example. And it kind of achieves a lot of things at one time. The problem with a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, and myself as well, uh, that's what I used to do, I would just not have a plan, have random things, random activities that I'm doing all over the place. And that's really like spreading your energy way too thin and too far. So when you start lasering in, and you actually look at what you did versus what you had the opportunity to do, you might actually realize I've been doing number one tasks lots because they're easy. I can get them done quickly, but really they're not the big dominoes that are going to move me forward. So when you flip that and you really focus on your big domino tasks, you, you can achieve what we call a 12 week year. So we try to, to make a year's worth of progress in 12 weeks as much as we can in our different businesses doesn't always work out that way, but there's a reason why we continue to grow all our companies every single year by serious numbers. You know, we grew uh, Marketplace Superheroes last year by 45%, you know, um, grew our freight business by uh, over 200%. And it all comes down to these kinds of tasks, you know. Very interesting. So are there any tools that you use to be more effective? Like any apps or? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, do you know what? I probably could do better in this area, to be completely honest, but I use very simple tools. Like I do my, my brain dump, I do it in notes on my Mac. So <laughs> it's not particularly exciting. Yeah. You know, I obviously use Excel all the time for different activities that I'll be doing. Uh, I don't think, I think the tools I use are tools to help me focus. So like brain.fm, it's a great app I use. It plays binaural beats music. So when you want to focus, you put that on uh, with noise canceling earphones. If you're researching products, if you're in a real focus activity, and it really helps just nail in on that. That's a great app that I use. Um, just thinking about other apps on my phone, I, I literally could take it out and go through it. Um, but they would be the main ones. Like I don't, I'm not one of these people that has an app for everything because I think that just overcomplicates life. And the more successful I become in business, the more I'm actually trying to get back to the simple, the simplicity again, which I think is interesting because I see it all the time with newer entrepreneurs. I was the very same. We have a belief, which is, well, the more complicated it is, the better it's going to be. But that's not actually true. You know, the more complicated it is, the harder it's going to be to implement it on a regular basis. So that's why I use typically simple apps. Some of them are even free. Uh, it helps me stay productive. It helps me stay on track. We obviously use things like Meister Task internally for, for arranging tasks and stuff like that. We use Slack for, for team communication. But I'm not the best with those apps, honestly. I, I, I use them, but I'm not the best with them. So I'm probably not the best person to answer that question. Maybe I could be even more effective with those tools. I kind of doubt it, but, you know, that's just the way I work. Awesome. Well, this has been so awesome, uh, Stephen. I mean, I've learned such a lot and, you know, I've, I've been taking men mental notes and I'm going to try to implement some of these things. Do you have a course on, you know, how to develop mental frameworks? Yeah. I think you should. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, well, I'm actually developing, I actually have a free Facebook group people can check out. It's called okay. uh, Daily Success and Motivation Hacks. 
mm. uh, daily success and motivation hacks. I'll get the link for you. Uh, and in there, I just sort of post, you know, stuff that I'm looking at, stuff that's interesting. My goal down the line will is to develop a, you know, a personal development uh, brand uh, in the heroes world uh, because it's something I love. It's what I wanted to do many, many years ago. I wanted to, to teach this kind of stuff, but I felt like the only way I can be taken seriously is I got to become successful in business first. I didn't want to be one of these motivational people who've never really done anything. And then after growing multiple businesses, etc., I feel like, you know, I'm in a good place now where I've learned a lot. And I can really share a lot of this stuff. So yeah, this is, that's my plan. Actually, I'm happy you said that. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I look forward to that. I might, I might sign up for that. <laughs> Yeah, well, join the group. It's free as well. It's free. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Great. So, you know, how can people reach you and find out more information about uh, your services, your freight services, yeah. your your e-commerce courses? Sure. Well, the e-commerce courses they can go to marketplacesuperheroes.com. Check out free training and all there for you. Uh, you can go to Instagram if you want to DM me. I don't have a huge Instagram following. I'm, I'm something that I'll, I'll grow with time, so I can answer you, Stephen uh, Stephen J Summers. And the other thing would be if you want to check out freight, it's it's kind of not really available to the public just now, but you can go to superherofreight.com and at some point it's going to be available to the public and have a lot of information there. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's everything. And, and certainly check out that free Facebook group I talked about as well. i uh, love to share motivation or whatever I can do for any of you watching or listening. Awesome. And we'll post all of these links, of course, on the, uh, in the show notes so people can, um, you know, definitely look at those links over there. Well, all right, Stephen, well, thank you so much for your time. It's, it's been oh, really wonderful talking to you. Same to you. I appreciate you putting this together. I know what it's like to, to build a platform and to put content out there. So it takes a lot of work. So I thank you for putting this together and allowing me to share some of these ideas with your uh, subscribers. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right. So all of you listening, uh, thank you so much for joining us this time. And I will see you soon. Bye.